Welcome to the OA Light of Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Vida. Hi, I'm Vida. I'm a compulsive reader, bulimic, and restrictor. Hi, Vida. Hi, everyone. It's so good to be here. I'm um, thank you, Jesse, so much for asking me to share. Um, happy birthday, Joe, and welcome to our newcomers. Um, <laughs> uh, to, to qualify, I have been in OA a little bit less than nine years. I celebrated seven years of abstinence in January, and my abstinence is no binging, purging, or restricting. Um, I'm probably 70-ish pounds down from my top weight, and I'm probably 10 or 15 pounds up from my bottom weight, and my weight has been, like, pretty stable, like, about probably a five-pound range for probably, like, five, six, seven years, and that is such a miracle, and, and, um, that's why I came to the program, because I just wanted a thin body, and I wanted to stop failing out of college, and, um, I got those things, but I got so much more than that from being in in this fellowship, so much more than that. And it's such an honor and a privilege to be in this meeting, to be back in this room. I've taken every single candle and chip um, in this room, you know, and and to be able to be back here after everything that we've all been through the, the last couple of years is, it just, it warms my heart so much, and I'm just so grateful. Um... And to be here with sisters in recovery and sponsees and just people that have known me, you know, for so long. And the changes that happen in these rooms are a true miracle. It's a true miracle that not only that we're here um, together, but that the people in this room are, you know, still alive and functioning members of society. Like, that is such a miracle. Um, so, yeah, I... Um, I, I was reflecting some today. I, I've, I've spoken at this meeting a couple times, but it's been a few years. And the last time I spoke here, I was, like, so obsessed with speaking at Light a Candle, you guys. It was, like, so much obsession. It, it was just crazy, you know. And, um, and honestly, like, I didn't get nervous maybe until I stood up. And I it just feels like I'm speaking at a meeting, you know. And that I bring that up because... You know, last or last time I spoke here was probably still like four years abstinent, and I was still so consumed with self. You know, and that's like the root of my disease is self obsession, and just everything reflects back on me. And today, coming here, it's it's such a different experience. Like I truly feel um, just here to be of service, and you know, and it's like it's not about me and. Um, you know, and, and then we learn in, in these rooms that to keep it, we have to give it away. And that's just my hope today, is that something I say helps someone else so that they, too, if they're struggling or whatever's going on, that they have hope that something that's not 
going the way that they hope it to, or maybe they can't stop eating or throwing up or starving, whatever it is, that, that there's hope in these rooms for them too. Um, I, I'm a very low-bottom compulsive eater. I wasn't someone who had like a little weight issue, who was a functional compulsive eater. I am the type of compulsive eater who failed out of college so many times, probably like four or five times, I don't know, um, and at my bottom truly didn't want to live anymore. Like that's, that's where this disease took me, is not wanting to live. And that is not a normal relationship with food. That is not a normal relationship um, to life. It's not a normal relationship with my body because I only felt I could show up if my body was a certain way. Um, and, and my entire life was consumed by either my overeating and what became extreme binge eating up to probably like 10,000 plus calories at one time or um, just such deep perfectionism around the way I showed up, not just around my body and food, but just in life in general and overachieving and just running myself into the ground in a way that was so unsustainable that um, I just, I wouldn't be able to keep it up. And the break that I got from it was binging myself into oblivion. Like I didn't have other ways of operating besides going at a hundred or essentially not existing. And to be an addict for me is an extremely painful experience. It's, it's devastatingly lonely. Um, it's, there's so much desperation and, in the depths of it, it really feels like there's no other way. Like, it's the only way that I know how to deal with life. Um, and so I don't, you know, today I don't fault myself <laughs> for having this disease. I don't fault myself for failing out of college a number of times. Uh, I have so much compassion for, like, the girl that that was the tool I had to cope with life. Because, you know, the any addiction, whatever it is, it's an inability and not having tools to cope with life. It's not knowing for me like how to soothe myself when things go wrong or good, just when things are intense, not knowing how to regulate my emotions, not knowing how to just get myself in a, in a mode of operating that I can sustain, you know? And being a human, I think, is inherently hard. And so in certain ways, using things like food or exercise or whatever it is to find a way to cope with life is a little ingenious, you know? It's like, I didn't have tools, so I developed tools. I wasn't taught other ways of doing it, so I developed ones to get me through. Um, and then, of course, at a certain point, like, it's extremely maladaptive, and it's no longer getting me through, and it turns on me, and I still don't have another way of doing it, though. And so maybe my solution is in, okay, well, instead of having five tacos, I'm going to have ten tacos. Like, that's going to be my solution. It just has to be more. Or instead of having three small meals a day, I'm going to have one meal a day. Or instead of exercising for two hours, I'm going to exercise for four hours. It's just like more more must be the solution or less must be the solution, whatever whatever that looks like. Just, you know, doing the same thing and expecting a different result because I'm trying harder. I'm I'm mustering more will, um, and it really felt like a moral failing. The fact that, like, the harder I tried, you know, just the more my life seemed to fall apart. And 
what I learn in these rooms and in the literature and from other people is that like this is truly not a moral issue. I don't have some kind of like internal internal moral failing that you know that everyone else has something that I don't. It's it's just that I have a spiritual sickness and it manifests in my mind and my mind manifests on in my food and my relationship with body. And um you know, and, and that's just how it was for me. Like, that's I that's how it was for me from a really young age. My first memories are basically, like, self-soothing with food, obsession with food. And then once I was hitting puberty, it was obsession with my body. And that's just how I lived my life. And that's how I, um, that's just how I learned how to be a human in a very maladaptive way. But that's how I did it. And, um, you know, and, and a huge component of what I was using over was just feeling like I wasn't good enough and I wasn't lovable enough or I just wasn't lovable, period. Um, that there's just something so wrong with me, but at the same time, I feel like I'm better than everyone else. And so it's like this very confusing experience of I feel like I'm better than you, but I also feel like you want nothing to do with me and I have no idea how to connect with you. And so I'm just going to try and be like you because maybe that will get you to like me. And if I'm perfect, then maybe I'll be accepted and just on and on and on in that type of way. And the more that I showed up that way, the more and more disconnected I became from myself. And the more that God-sized hole that I learned about in these rooms, but really what it felt like was like inner devastation, the bigger that feeling got the bigger the feeling that I had to just numb out or stuff in whatever way I could, it just got bigger and bigger because I just became more and more confused about why my life is going the way it is, like why I don't have connections with people that fulfill me or, you know, why I feel so empty even when I'm like the top of my class. All the things that, you know, I thought I should have or I thought I should achieve, like, those things weren't cutting it. When my body was perfect, it didn't actually make me happy. It made me high, but that high didn't sustain me, um, you know, and, and so I just became more and more confused and trying harder and harder and harder. Um, and so when I finally came to OA, and, well, I came to one meeting in 2010, and I was not ready. I was 20 years old. Um, and I had to have three more years of things getting worse and worse for me to even be able to truly, like what it says, concede to my innermost self that something was really wrong. Um, the fact that I was failing out of school and, and was gaining and losing weight every year um, and, and really just couldn't consistently show up in life, it just wasn't bad enough for me to be willing to, like, work these 12 steps. You know, the... The literature is, like, only the most desperate among us are, like, going to want to, like, admit our wrongs to another human being and, like, make amends for the things that we've done. You know, it, like, takes a good amount of desperation to be willing to do those things. And it seemed pretty cultish to me, <laughs> my first meeting. And just so you guys know, it is a little bit cultish, but it's okay. Like, um, I mean, I don't know. Like, it, it, it's, it is what it is, but um, I, love, I love these rooms, you know, and I love the people in them, and um, I get so much from being here, and I wasn't ready for any of that in, in 2010. So when I came into 2013, I came in in 2013, I was just, 
desperate for something different, but what that different was was not letting go of control of food or body yet. I was not ready to do that when I came in in 2013. And so, like I said, I, I'm like almost nine years in the program, but seven years abstinent. And it's because I just, I wasn't ready even then, you know, even though I was still failing out of school um, and my life was unmanageable, I needed to have the experience of not wanting to live to be willing to let go of control. I don't wish that on anyone, but that is what I needed to let go, to say like, there has to be another way of doing life. Something, something has to work because what I else ha- like has to work because what I'm doing isn't working anymore. I've tried to muster my will, like right, but it, and it's not working. I've tried so hard, but like the our literature says, is like it doesn't matter how hard I tried because lack of power is the problem, right? I don't have the power. You know, that's what step one says. We admitted we were powerless, that our lives had become unmanageable. If I had the power, trying harder, doing more, doing less, like, it would have worked, you know? But because I don't have the power, it doesn't matter how hard I try. It's just not going to work. Thank God I had already come to these rooms when I saw that I couldn't do it. And because I knew that maybe there was something that could, there was a solution. Thank God, you know, um, there's a chapter in the big book called There is a Solution. I knew about a solution when I got here because I heard other people who seemed like goddesses as far as I could tell, you know, they just seemed like they were like floating through life and I couldn't believe that they um right (laughs) but I couldn't believe that they had been people like me that like had passed out in public because they're in a food coma or throwing up in public restrooms or like whatever it is um and now they had like full lives and now they were abstinent and their life wasn't about food and body anymore um you know and so like Step one is I'm powerless, but step two is, like, there is a solution, you know? The solution is a power greater than myself. And when I came in to 12-step, I was pretty much an atheist, and I looked down on people who were religious. Um, And again, like, I don't fault myself for that either today because that's that's the best I could do. You know, I... My idea... Of, my, of myself and my family and life was really predicated on separation from others so that I could feel better then. Um, and I feel like that's a pretty normal human instinct when you don't have a spiritual foundation in life of like the oneness of all life on, on earth and all humans, that we all are of the same stuff. Um, But I didn't know that when I came in. I didn't have the awareness I have today. I didn't have a spiritual life. I didn't have the vocabulary to, or the understanding, the awareness to know that, like, what I needed was a power greater than myself that would be able to solve the problem that I was clearly unable to solve on my own. Um, You know, and so when I became willing, when I hit that bottom where I was like, I don't want to live anymore, I had gained... 
50 pounds in about a month and a half. And I'm 5'2", so I was doing some pretty hardcore eating really quickly to gain that amount of weight. And it was excruciatingly painful, not just emotionally and mentally, but physically. I was in so much pain. Um, and, you know, all the things that I'd done previous to that, like when I was bulimic, I was throwing up blood at the end. And, you know, like I was shaking because I... I, you know, I would be going through life, like, almost getting in car accidents because I was, my blood sugar was so low after eating 300 calories and exercising for three hours. Like, none of that was enough, you know? Um, and again, like, for whatever reason, that's just my story. That's just the experience that I needed to have to become willing. But when I did become willing, I thought that maybe it could be possible for me to because of what I had heard in the rooms what I had seen other people experience. And that was such a gift for me because I don't know if I would be here today if I, I hadn't already come to OA when I hit that bottom in my journey. And, you know, the next um, about year of my life was, was a lot of kind of finding my way into what that power greater than myself was how to connect with it really because in step three like I have to make a decision to turn my will and my life over to the power that I identify in step two and I just I wasn't ready even though I I was ready to start showing up for my recovery I wasn't ready to work the program really and make that decision to turn my will and my life over because that's the foundation of the program it doesn't matter if I'm going through the rest of the steps if if I'm not seeking up the direction of a higher power because I'm still going to be so run by self. And the selfish self-centeredness, you know, like that is what will kill me at the end of the day. And in being connected to a higher power, that slowly, slowly starts loosening its grip on me. But it has a really tight grip on me as an addict. And so it takes a lot of work over, for me, years, you know, for that start to start to shift. Like I said, when I... Um, I spoke at this meeting years ago. I had some years of abstinence, but it still felt like it was all about me. Um, and that's okay. Again, it's just, that's just my path. You know, that's just like my experience. And it doesn't have to be anyone else's experience. And I, I guess I also just want to say, if whoever's listening on the podcast, who's ever in this room tonight, if like you're not relating to what I'm saying, or if what I'm saying is not what you need to hear, I really just hope you keep coming back. Because if you are one of us, Someone will say what you relate to. Someone will say something that is the thing that clicks with you that maybe changes something. And this is just my personal experience, and I don't speak for anyone or the program. Um, this is just one one bozo on the bus, right? Like, that's what my sponsor always says to me. You know, she's she's been in OA for, like, over 25 years, and she's... She's like, I'm another bozo on the bus, Vita. You know, it doesn't matter if we've been here for 30 days or 30 years. What makes us, like, this disease makes us all on equal playing field. You know, um, there's no discrimination. It doesn't matter where you're from, who you are, your sex, your race, anything. It doesn't matter. Like, this disease can come for come for you, and it came for me. And it's it still comes for me, you know. And so that's why um, I have to continue seeking a power greater than myself because it's a very cunning, baffling, powerful experience of being an addict. And the way that it shows up changes for me over time. Like, I don't struggle with binging on 10,000 calories anymore, but I struggle with other things. And 
if I'm not rigorously trying to enlarge my spiritual life, because that is basically what the program is about for me, the roads will lead back to the food at some point because that's the easiest option. Like, that's the thing when life gets hard that feels like it's going to make it better. I have enough separation between, like, what happens in my life and the food that that's not going to be the first option. Like, if I get back to the food, there's a lot of other things that's happened before then, right? But, you know, cunning, baffling, powerful. And, And so, you know, the... I've heard a lot of times that the steps can be boiled down to, you know, like, it's basically about, like, with myself, with God, and with others. Like, that is what is in the steps. We go, we go through an inventory with ourselves. We bring other people into it. We make amends. And then it's always bringing it back to God. And if I don't have all three components of that in my recovery, if I'm not connecting with myself and I'm not helping others and receiving help from others and if I'm not in an exchange with God I'm not working the whole program I need to be doing all of that it's it's the first word of the 12 steps is we you know we includes God for me and and it definitely does not just include like me and one other person it's a fellowship I need to be utilizing the entire fellowship to stay in recovery um so yeah, so I mean, like I said, that, that first year of, of recovery for me was like really trying to find a connection with a higher power. And I, um, I ended up breaking my abstinence after initially getting abstinent and, and hitting that really bad bottom. And um, this abstinence started the day after my cousin drowned. And... At that time, I didn't have a strong enough connection with a higher power to be able to go to that instead of to food when that happened. But I also had the beginnings of a connection with a higher power when that happened. And what became really clear to me on that day was that she, her energy was still present in this world. Just because her physical form was gone didn't mean that she was she was gone and that I could still be in connection with her but that that wasn't a possibility if I was going to be killing myself with food and that I could not honor her or the connection she or the light that she brought into the world if I was killing myself with food and that day like I made that decision that I couldn't make that for the previous year in step three to to turn my will my life over to God I made that decision And that doesn't mean, like, my life just was, you know, puppies and rainbows after that. Although I do have a puppy now, and it is kind of like rainbows. But, um, except when she's, like, biting my ankles. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, a lot lot of life happens, you know, and that's the thing. It's like, life still happens. I still have the human experience. It doesn't mean... Um, because I got absent, because I decided to turn my will and my life over to God, like imperfectly, right? That's a decision I have to make every day, throughout the day, in different ways. I take my will back in other ways. It never goes very well when I do. Um, But my life started to drastically change when I was able to truly make that decision because trying to control every aspect of my life was no longer my principal aim in life. And there's so much... um, 
like spiritual energy that's that's available to me when I'm not trying to control everything anymore. And it was a really um, good thing that, that that's kind of where I got because a lot of other components of my life like really became out of my control after I became abstinent. I, I started having really serious health issues and that changed everything in my life. And if I had still been trying to control everything while that was going on, I would not have been able to stay abstinent because it w- it's been like a very painful experience. And if I'm trying to control like the pain that comes into my life, I push it into suffering. And if I'm suffering for long enough, I can't take it. I need to take the edge off. I need to do something to change my experience. But when I'm not in that trying to control every aspect of my life relationship to my experience, I can go through pain without suffering. I got to grieve my cousin's death. You know, I've, I've gone through, like, multiple breakups in recovery. The, the, the thing that caused me spiraling down into my bottom was the end of a relationship. I could not go through the pain of that relationship ending. And, and so I starved and threw up and ate until I didn't want to live. You know, that wasn't my solution to go through pain. I also got to experience really amazing things. Like, I finally graduated college, and after failing out for so long, like, I graduated with straight A's. I, I've gotten to travel all over the world for weeks at a time and not have where I go and what I do be determined by, like, the food available to me or if there's a gym available or actually I'm not going to show up for a week because I'm binging in my hotel room, like, whatever it is. That's not what my life has looked like. What it has looked like is a lot of joy, a lot of beauty, a lot of growth, and a lot of pain. Like, that is my experience. There's been a lot of pain in recovery and a lot of I can't do this anymore feeling. Like, I cannot continue on the way I'm continuing on. And, you know, like, how do I continue staying abstinent when I feel like I'm in so much pain that if this keeps happening, like, I'm going to have to take the edge off? How do I keep going when when that's what life feels like? Well, I don't do it alone, for starters. You know, like, the we of the first step, it says over and over again, we. And God, like, I'm not doing it alone. Um, when, when that relationship ended, that I spiraled into my bottom in 2013, I felt so alone. Like, it was bone-crushing loneliness. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the ability to really have connections with other people. And so when that relationship ended... It just felt like I couldn't, I couldn't make it, you know. And I've, lo- I've had loss in recovery, but because of getting to form a connection with a higher power, I truly never feel alone anymore. Like I have this incredible spiritual sustenance that allows me to feel love and connection and grace. Um, all these things that I couldn't really be a part of before I was in recovery, like, I get to feel that without it being dependent on a situation, without it being dependent on another human being, anything, you know? Just, like, from getting still and connecting with this incredible higher power that I've gotten to create and connect with 
and strengthen a relationship with over my years in the program, like that's all it takes. All I have to do is get still for a moment to pause and connect. And that is the most important thing in my life today. Like that is the most important relationship in my life today. I don't get to be the woman that is able to go through pain, that is able to like go through a pandemic, that's able to go through loss, you know, that's all these things that are just part of the human experience. I don't get to do any of that in and stay abstinent if I don't have this connection with a higher power. And it's it's just like it's such an incredible experience. Like I truly that is that is the thing that I wish more than anything really in this world is that every human being would be able to have the experience of a tangible, directly accessible, anytime, anywhere connection with a higher power. And I feel like that is really what being a human is about. That like that is my nature as a human and everyone else's nature as a human, that we have that ability. All we have to do is develop it, you know, and and like I I read and discuss the daily readers with my partner that we have in the program. And one thing that from discussing it every day that I was not aware of um, just by reading it every day was the amount of times that it talks about getting back to a childlike state. You guys, it's in there like probably at least once a week or something like that or multiple times a week. It talks about that's like the goal basically is to get back to a childlike state. And that's what a relationship with a higher power makes possible for me. Imperfectly, like I still take things too seriously. I still feel too heavy about things. Um, but it's a process. I'm only seven years in, you know, and those qualities of joy, wonder, awe, like lightheartedness, carefree, thank you, all of those things, that, those are the qualities of being spiritually connected in my experience, you know, and children have that innately. That's just their natural state. And then life happens, society happens, whatever it is happens, all the stuff happens, and I lost that, and every addict I know lost that. And that connection starts restoring it to sanity, right? Restoring it to its natural state. Um, and when I, like, seek that on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, whatever, whatever level of spiritual connection that I need to get through whatever is going through, like, I get to start having that experience more and more and I don't have to suffer through the pain of life anymore I get to grow through the pain I get to expand through challenge I just I get to literally live a life beyond my wildest dreams and for me what that means is not like my life is so amazing all the time and it's more than I could have ever dreamed in my grandest Disney adventure or whatever, you know? What what Beyond My Wildest Dreams means to me is, like, I couldn't fathom this for myself, you know? Like, my, um, my human faculties are finite. So what this human experience gets to be like is actually constructed by a power that's infinite. And so Beyond My Wildest Dreams is, like, those infinite possibilities actually being realized in the finite world. And when I limit myself to what my human brain thinks is possible 
or um, what I think my dreams should be or should look like. Like, I miss out on this vastness of experience that is what is accessible when I'm in touch with my actual human nature as a spiritual being. And I, for me, like, that is the point of life, to grow in spiritual awareness and ability. And in that, like, I get to help other people. I get to carry the message, not just in the rooms, which is such an honor and a privilege, but, like, outside of the rooms, just to be an attraction of, like, what spirituality can look like, you know, what going through challenges with grace and dignity can look like, just what another way of approaching life and relating to life can look like. And that's, like, not how I'm wired, you know? Like, this takes work, um, but it's really worth it to me. I really get to have a life that I'm so deeply grateful for. Like, I get to feel um, like my heart is, like, bursting with love and gratitude, you know? Like, that's beyond my wildest dreams because I didn't know what that felt like or if that, how that or was possible or what that would be like. But I get to experience it now because of because of the steps, because of, you know, trying to let go of control and and not have life be all about me and to just give and receive in a very different way to let there be like a flow of energy in my life instead of really trying to manage all of it all the time. Um, yeah. And so. Life is a journey, you know, like recovery is really a journey. I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. There's a lot of change happening in my life right now. Change is inherently challenging, I think, as a human and especially as an addict who wants to control everything. And I know that, like, when I keep turning all of it over to a higher power and, and just having faith and trust that, like, the highest good in my life is being served and I just have to keep taking the next action... I get to keep building a really beautiful life. And I I just can't do that on my own. I don't know how to do it on my own. I don't have the abilities left to my own devices. So, you know, like abstinence makes everything I've been talking about possible. Without abstinence, like it is the foundation, right? I can't do any of this if I'm not abstinent. If my choices are like to experience discomfort or to take the edge off and taking the edge off with food is an option I'm always going to choose that but now you know like I get to I get to like not take the edge off and be uncomfortable or I get to take the edge off by praying or I I get to take the edge off by like making a call or like asking for someone's help you know instead of trying to do it on my own um and it it's just it's like manageable one day at a time you know like I'm abstinent today I've been abstinent so far today. I commit my food. You know, I, I do the daily deal. And it just guarantees me today. I don't know beyond that, you know. And, and it's, um, it's a privilege to be abstinent today. By all, like, you know, by all rights, I should really be dead. The fact that I'm alive is a miracle. And anyone who's in this room and it has even just this hour abstinent, if you're a true addict compulsive eater, like you're the lucky one that you're here and you're abstinent today. And I'm the lucky one that I'm here and I'm abstinent today. So I think that's all I have to say. I just, I love you all so much. I'm so grateful for my recovery. And um, yeah, thank you for letting me share.
questions for Vita? Katie. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Vita. It was beautiful. Um, you mentioned that you do the daily readers. Is mm -hmm. there anything else that you do that helps you maintain your recovery, like, on a daily basis? Mm -hmm. So she asked what I do on a daily basis to maintain my recovery. Yeah, I mean, I do a lot of stuff. When I wake up, I don't do this super perfectly, but pretty consistently, like, the first thing when I am aware that I'm awake is I start praying. That's what I really try and do first thing in the morning. I do the daily readers. I write a gratitude list. I um, send my food to my sponsor in the morning. If it changes, I just check in and say this is how it's changing. Um, I do a nightly inventory. Um, I go to, I have committed meetings and I, I go to meetings. I have four sponsees that I work with. I make outreach calls. I don't make outreach calls every day, but I make, definitely make outreach calls every week and most days. Um, I pray and meditate throughout the day. I read other literature. I used to be really, really good about working the steps, and recently I've started doing some other kind of like spiritual-ish stuff. I honestly have not been consistent with working on my step work recently, but really for like years, I would work on my step work pretty much every day for like five minutes, ten minutes. Um, I don't know. I probably do other stuff, but that's what comes to mind. <laughs> Thank you. Diane? Yeah, so the question was, like, what's the difference between restricting, can you, re like, lose weight without restricting, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, so, I mean, so one of the things for me was, like, our literature says I have to let go of all my ideas about food, body, and weight control, and I truly did not believe that if I ate three meals a day, I could lose weight. The only way that I had ever lost weight was by over-exercising, restricting, starving. Like, that's how I knew how to lose weight, but it wasn't sustainable. And so I literally lost 70 pounds by eating three meals a day and snacks if I needed them. And I, like, did not think that was possible. I also lost the ability to exercise because of my health issues, and I still lost weight. So everything that I thought about, like, the foundational ways of how you needed to lose weight by, like, eating as little as possible, definitely can't eat three meals a day, have to exercise for hours. None of that was real. That was my disease. And that's what I do today. I eat three meals a day. I eat snacks if I need them. My exercise consists of walking. That's it. Yeah. Uh, what would you say was the biggest impediment to making contact with the higher power that you have today? So my biggest impediment with making contact with the higher power today, I think, is probably just when I don't understand why what's happening in my life is happening, and I feel like I need to understand to be okay. And that can make me um, lose a little bit of faith, you know, and trust. And... Um, when that goes on for long enough, like, I don't really want to connect with God because I'm not trusting. And that really, that has, like, it's not happening right now as much, but last year I was really struggling with that. 
And I just had to keep going. Like, I just had to keep going. I just had to keep taking the actions, the spiritual actions on a daily basis to connect with a God that I didn't really trust right then. And what ended up happening was, like, I had to change my relationship with God. Like, I had to change my conception of God. I had to change how I was relating to my conception. It just, it had to change because what was happening was confusing and hard. And, um, yeah, but... I just know that if I just keep going, that whatever challenge I'm in, whatever impediment is happening, like, it always shifts. Nothing is permanent. Nothing is enduring. You know, everything always changes. So that is what, you know, I just had to keep doing, and that's what I know today. If that same feeling comes up, that's what I have to do, is I just have to keep taking the actions and keep going. Whatever I'm struggling with is going to shift. Thank you. Thank you.